Hello and welcome to Biology to Healthcare, My Journey. And today we're talking about preparing to apply to graduate school, podcast number 25. Um, if you want to get more up-to-date information, uh, head over to mybiologyexperience.com where you can subscribe and get email notifications exactly when we uh, post these blogs uh, online. Uh, the podcasts do come out a little later than the uh, blogs because it does take some time to record them and post. So if you want to hear them right away, uh, subscribe to our um, website. And you could also head over to our media pages, which include Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Tumblr, uh, Medium, and uh, I think it's said LinkedIn already, but yeah, uh, and just look up mybiologyexperience.com and you'll see us right there. So uh, let's get started. Preparing to apply to graduate school is a whole thing in itself. You need to take exams, fill out applications, attend interviews, and do many other things. It is the beginning of my junior year of undergraduate school, and at the end of my spring semester, I will be filling out my applications for graduate school. The amount of time and effort I've put in to be where I am currently is, at it, is immense, and I still feel as if I am not on track to be accepted to graduate programs. Throughout this blog post, I will be sharing what I have completed so far, what I am aiming to complete, and the challenges of achieving, of achieving my goals. So let's talk about what I have done thus far. Getting hours. I began doing things for graduate school before I was even in my first semester of college. Months before my first semester, I was taking an EMT course to get my license in New York State. I knew that getting this license would allow me to gain direct patient care hours while attending college, one of the most important and hardest things to do for your physician's assistant application. Being prepared and knowing what you have to, to complete for graduate school is the most important thing to do as an undergraduate student. It is important because the rigor of your classes is hard enough. Imagine having to complete shadowing positions, volunteer hours, direct patient care hours, and GREs in a short window of time. Luckily, my parents knew this challenge and made me start my journey early. As I said, the first thing I did in preparation for graduate school was get my EMT license. This put me ahead of probably 90% of people my age, if not more. Having a medical license to practice in state is a huge aid in getting direct patient care hours. The reasons for this is because graduate programs for PA, for the physician's assistant, the physician's assistant do not accept anything else but direct patient care hours. So if you shadowed a doctor for two years, it may be helpful, but it will not be the minimum required of most schools. Direct patient care hours are defined as having experience in which you are directly responsible for a patient's care. For example, prescribing medication, performing procedures, directing a course of treatment, designing a treatment regimen, actively working on patients as a nurse, paramedic, EMT, CNA, phlebotomist, physical therapist, dental hygiene, etc. This shows that people are typically older and have full-time medical jobs typically have an advantage in this very important category. As of right now, I have worked as an EMT for two years at a summer camp. This summer camp allowed me to gain nearly 500 direct patient care hours. From this job, I have gained experience, stories, and possibly people to write recommendations. The 500 hours I have gained are what I consider to be pretty average difficulty. Getting the number of hours is one thing, but providing, uh, proving to the graduate school that the hours you obtained were useful to learning and experience is another thing. 
I would consider people that were licensed nurses and physical therapists to be the hardest hours most impressive. To obtain these hours, you must first gain a license that takes years, and then work to do your very uh, then work, and then then the work you do is very interactive. Below that, I would consider a job such as mine to be ranked. The license I have isn't easy to get and takes months to obtain, but the knowledge you gain is not uh, in the same echelon of nurses and PTs. The easiest hours and lowest ranked are prof professions such as medical scribe. I'm not saying being a medical scribe is a bad thing or the job is easy, but the experience you gain from being a medical scribe is often lacking the instructiveness of all others I've ranked above. For this reason, some schools don't even take medical scribe hours. Taking the GRE. Taking the GRE is extremely annoying. And yes, I mean annoying. As you begin to study for the GRE, you might notice that the material being asked on the test has nothing to do what you, uh, with what you have learned from your prerequisite courses. Unlike the MCATs, the GRE focuses on three main categories, verbal reasoning, quantitative reasoning, and analytical writing. The verbal section tests your grammar and vocabulary skills by asking fill-in-the-blank questions and questions on long, drawn-out passages. The quantitative section will take you back to high school geometry and ask you to compare different algebraic sequences and shapes. Finally, the analytical writing section is an open-ended and pro provides a one-sentence question or statement that you have to respond to. If I have one recommendation for taking the GRE, it is to take it as soon as possible when entering your undergraduate years. The GRE is basically the SAT and ACT on steroids, and if you can build off what you already know, you'll be put way ahead of everyone else. Although I will have to remind you of who is taking the test. When receiving scores for your GRE, you might be discouraged when you see that you fell into the 40th to 50th percentile. Just because you fall into this category doesn't mean you are stupid and should not pursue graduate school. Just remember that the people taking the GRE are only people interested in receiving higher education past the bachelor's degree. The people you are taking the test against are extremely smart, and to be in the 80th percentile, you must be very intelligent. So let's talk about prerequisite courses in GPA. To even be considered for physician's assistant program, it is vital to have a high GPA and have all of your prerequisite classes complete. If you do not have your classes complete, your application will not even be evaluated by the college and be thrown away. These classes are not just some, uh, some hoops that you have to jump through to be accepted. They are required because you need to know previous knowledge for the material to be taught in the master's program. So having these courses done before handing in your application with a high GPA will only aid in your ranking of applicants. For me, I've taken almost all of my prerequisite courses, which include General Biology 1, General Biology 2, General Chemistry 1 and 2, Organic Chemistry, Genetics, Comparative Anatomy, Human Physiology, Biochemistry, Elementary Statistics, and Introductory to Psychology. These classes are the basics of what you need when applying to graduate school for PA. I have not taken microbiology or human anatomy yet. I plan on taking these during my next semester at Arcadia University. The other thing you should be aware of is that all prerequisite courses need to be, have a grade greater than a C, and that's at least a C for, for most schools. Some schools require uh, a B minus. 
If you do not have a grade greater than a C, the course does not count, and you will have to retake it. There are many other things that, have, uh, that I have completed, such as volunteering and making connections, but this information has been ta uh, talked about in previous blogs, or I am planning on talking about it in future blogs. So what do I still need to do, and what do I want to do still? There are many things I still want and, uh, want and need to do before applying to a physician's assistant graduate school. I have already mentioned that I need to take microbiology and human anatomy. However, I still want to take medical terminology. This class is not required by most schools, but I feel as if having it can only help me during the application process and help me during graduate school. For this reason, I am planning on taking it either over the summer or during future semesters during my senior year. I've done a lot of volunteering while at school. I've volunteered at Temple, University Hospital, and the emergency room, as well as the customer service desk in the COVID-19 clinic. One thing I have not had the opportunity to do is shadow a doctor or physician's assistant. My plan for this is to do it during winter break between my current semester and next semester. This will allow me to have the shadowing hours complete before my application, as well as not cramming it during school. Finally, the last thing I'm looking to complete is the CASPER examination. Very specific schools require this examination. I feel that a personality uh, and decision-making exam would be in my favor. Challenges you will run into when you know looking into graduate schools and just you know attaining all these requirements. Throughout your journey of preparing to apply to a graduate school, you will run into numerous roadblocks. The one that I believe to be the biggest is time management. When getting into your undergraduate years, you think that you have three to four years to complete all of your tests. Those three to four years seem extremely long, but they are not. The application for graduate school will sneak up on you faster than you can ever imagine, pushing things off like shadowing, taking the GRE, and getting direction, direct patient care hours will result in frustration and maybe even taking a gap year to complete everything. So don't wait and get it done. Branching off of getting everything done, another recommendation I have is not pass up on opportunities. If you have an opportunity to shadow or do something that will aid in your application ranking, do it. These opportunities are extremely rare, and with such limited time, it is vital to use all of your resources. Again, beggars can't be choosers, guys. You know, you got to take all the opportunities that come across you. So best of luck in your applications, everyone. And I really am wishing you uh, the best of luck during your semesters and everything. So guys, um, currently I'm recording this. It's the end of my uh, fall semester. I kind of fell behind on uh, recording these. But, you know, the semester went extremely successful. Uh, I'm currently in winter break. And as I said before, I'm looking for shadowing opportunities. But at the moment, COVID is spiking and hospitals are pushing people away like me. So shadowing opportunities are hard to come by right now. Uh, I've reached out to multiple places. I've walked in uh, to a, one or two places, but it's not really the best thing to walk into places right now because of the whole uh, COVID situation. But preparing to graduate school is extremely, extremely stressful. And what people don't realize about it is that it's a lot of time. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of energy that goes into doing all these prerequisites. It's not the actual application that people have a problem with. It's the doing the things that people have a problem with. And I'm not saying that people don't want to do the things. I'm not saying that people are too lazy to do the things. I'm saying that the things that they're asking are pretty difficult. See, 
getting a 3.4 from high school in order to get direct entry in or just competing with everyone else that is getting high GPAs, high science GPAs, getting A's on their prerequisites. And then on top of that, on top of doing all your schoolwork, you have to get direct patient care hours, shadowing opportunities, find people, make relationships and connections so that they can write recommendations and having those people be relevant to a you know, physician's assistant like curriculum. It's really difficult. So what people run into is that they have this mindset where they know they have to apply to a physician's assisting program at the end of their junior to senior year, if they want to go into, I should say this is very important, if they want to go into a physician's assistant school right after uh, college. That's not a lot of time. And the reason why I say that's not a lot of time is because let's, let's go through the time here. Your fall semester will begin end of August, beginning of September uh, latest. That goes all the way up until Christmas. You have the holidays, you know, Christmas break, um, New Year's, and right after that, when you're spending time with your family, you go right back to school in the middle of January, the midst of January, maybe towards the end. That's only two to three weeks, uh, maybe a month if you're lucky, of having an opportunity to shadow someone, put in some work. A lot of people won't hire you for a month. You know, The only holiday things that you're going to get are if you want to work at Target, if you want to work at some retail store that they need extra people for the holidays. Oftentimes, healthcare doesn't don't need that. So having the opportunity to go and shadow someone is your best bet during the winter. And currently right now with the COVID pandemic, it's, it's pretty difficult. It's pretty damn difficult to do that right now. So let's move on. You go through your spring semester. And if you're lucky, you can work throughout that. Um, currently for me, people like me, I do a sport. I'm going to do research uh, during the next semester. Uh, I'm part of three clubs. Uh, I'm, I'm a very busy person. So, and I work and I go to school out of state. So my license doesn't even transfer. And to transfer it, I have to take a whole, uh, whole other test, a whole other uh, pay for it, and, you know, do all these other things and do reciprocity. And that just is a whole bunch of things, a whole do of other things that just would be so much time. So I just don't end up doing it. And I know I just wouldn't have the time to do it while I'm at school. So I just don't do it anyways and waste my time. So if you go through it, you have the opportunity to work. Your prime time to work is during the summer. You get two to three months. Is it four, two, three? I think it's three. Three months, uh, let's just say three. Uh, three months of work at wherever you want. For me, I got lucky. So let's say you're a student. You begin college your freshman year, first semester. You go away. You come back during winter break. You may shadow or you may do something else, take a class here or there go back for spring semester. And during that summer, you might get your license in something. It might take the full summer to get your EMT license, let's say. Let's, let's, let's use EMT license as an example. But that summer, you're getting your EMT license. It takes the entire freshman summer to do that. You go on to your sophomore year now. If you're working throughout as an EMT throughout that semester, fantastic. You're getting hours to do that. You come back, you know, shadow maybe a little if you still have the same shadowing opportunity, maybe work some more and work permanently for like full time for the, that month or three weeks, whatever it is. Then go back if you have the opportunity work. work and this is the best case scenario. Work uh, during the um, spring semester. And for the, your sophomore year, you probably gain around 
upwards of 500 hours at, at most, depending on how much you're doing. Depending on how much you're doing. 500 hours right there. Then summer, you gain another, let's say, 200, 300 hours. And then this is all best case scenario. And then you have to apply your junior. Your junior, you're right out of school. You're taking these tough classes, human physiology, human anatomy. So at most, as a college student working EMT, having a reasonable expectation for people that are having a social life. I'm not saying that people that are getting all these absurd hours don't have a social life, but I'm saying for it to be comfortable and have an enjoyable you know, time at college, it's something I push very hard. I want to have a good time, you know, as I am a person, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's all about, you know, am I happy? You know, otherwise, what am I doing this whole thing for? I don't, I don't want to do this if I'm not happy. So at the end of the day, you get pushed on and you'll probably have around 1,500 hours. See, the problem with that is that the average application still has more hours than you. So how do you do that by getting more things? So what people end up doing is that they end up taking a gap year. You end up doing other things. For me, I'm trying to get an internship right now, um, doing research and stuff. I'm trying to diversify myself, show that I have other skills and mindsets and backgrounds. Uh, I think that's very important to show that you have backgrounds and stuff like that in other aspects. But... All of this is on top of work, shadowing, volunteer work, taking the GREs. It's a lot of stuff, people. So if you think that you could wait till your sophomore year, mid to sophomore year, let's say fall of sophomore year, even spring of sophomore year, you are dead wrong because that's not going to happen. You are going to end up having to take a gap year. You're going to end up being late, you may not end up doing it at all, applying, because people that take gap years sometimes don't never come back. I'm just telling you the, the straight honest right here. So really, the biggest thing I got to say when applying to graduate school is time management, having everything ready, making a list, have goals, set goals of when you want things complete by, because having those goals and writing them down are the only thing that's keeping you track. There's no, CASPA isn't coming and saying, Hey, hey, you need to get this done soon. You know, the application's coming close. They could care less. They, they could give two shits about what you're doing. So you got to come by and you got to set down these goals and you got to do it yourself. So that's what I'm going to say. That's the most important thing with, uh, is time management for preparing to graduate, uh, apply to graduate school. You know, get all those things done. And as you get them done, hard work will pay off in the end. Uh, the last thing I'll say is that beggars aren't choosers. Take any opportunities that come by. That's part of doing the hard work. You know, you may not like the opportunity. I, you know, I worked in the emergency room for Temple Hospital, and I, I did some hard work just stocking carts all day for hours at 5 a.m. in the morning. You know, it was hard work. You know, I somewhat enjoyed it. I got to see some pretty cool things and stuff like that. But, you know, there was moments that I was just really in like a lull, and it was just dreadful being there at 5 a.m., and I knew I could be sleeping till 7 or 8 o'clock. So... You know, beggars can't be choosers, guys, and whatever. That's that's all I got to say for today. But uh, if you want to hear more or, uh, you know, check out our blog at mybiologyexperience.com. You can follow us on our media. Just look up My Biology Experience on most media like Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Medium. And we'll be on there as mybiologyexperience.com with the green leaf. Uh, so, you know, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, guys. And, you know, we hope to spread some more branches.